Blog Talk Radio. Featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 165 of the Habs 360 podcast for the Saturday, January 30th, 2016. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980 on Twitter. And well, since our last episode, Canadians played three games, and what a surprise. They lost, well, they lost two out of the three games. And it started off last Saturday, and the Canadians beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-2 to in shootouts. And I'm still uh, debating, does this say more about the Habs, or does this say more about the Leafs, that the fact that the Canadians beat them? And then in the back-to-back games against the Columbus Blue Jackets in the home-and-home series, well, Columbus took both games by a score of 5-2. to if you look at the standings, how uh, is there a better way to say it? But uh, the Canadians right now, they suck. So they're not even in the wild card spot. They are 11th place in the Eastern Conference with 52 points. They are two points behind the Carolina Hurricanes, but they do have a game in hand. The Ottawa Senators are right behind them with uh, 50 points as well. And the Flyers are two points behind the Canadians, but have three games in hand over the Habs. In regards to a wild, to the wildcard race, Canadians are three points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins, but the Penguins do have two games in hand over the Canadians. So it's getting tougher and tougher for the Canadians. In the beginning of the season, in our first episode, the first month, the Canadians were at 99% chance of making the playoffs. Right now, sportsclubstats.com has them at 24.7%. We have a couple of questions out there on uh, social media, whether it be on Habs360 Twitter account. Our poll question is, has your interest in the Montreal Canadiens gone down because of the current slump? You go vote. There's a poll. If you want to reply and add us your comments, feel free. We'll read them in uh, the third segment of today's episode. And let us know also your thoughts, whether you think the All-Star break, will that benefit the Montreal Canadiens? And are you expecting anything more when they hit the ice on a Tuesday night against the Philadelphia Flyers? So you can interact with us on Twitter at Habs360 is the way to, uh, to reach us. Joining us in about 15 minutes time to discuss the latest and give his opinions on the latest Montreal Canadiens news. It's Douglas Gellivan 
sports anchor from CBC News Montreal, and he'll give us his insight on uh, the Bleu Blanc Rouge. But joining me now, my co-host for today's episode, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites, Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? Doing fine, Chris. And boy, um, interest in the Canadians. If if my timeline on Twitter, All Habs, is, you know, means anything, there's lots of interest, just not very, uh, a lot of pleased Habs fans right now. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. And I don't uh, blame them for, uh, for for thinking like that. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on Habs 360. So we're going to get it started right away. Winners and losers for the Canadians over the past week. And Nick, Nick, Rick, let's try to keep this positive and start off with the winners. Sure, we can do that. Um, as far as nominees for winners this week, let's start with the uh, Let's Talk campaign, um, another successful campaign. I'm not going to mention who the corporate sponsor of it, I think, um, I think they, they get a little bit too much attention. Um, but another successful campaign, there was 125 million um, tweets, text messages, and, and the like, uh, Facebook shares. Uh, that's a 3% increase over last year. Um, and that uh, yields a $6 million donation to uh, Canadian Mental Health. Um, and so we'd like to see that and um, almost 7 million tweets alone using the, the hashtag. So uh, a, another successful campaign and, and we want to uh, uh, tip our cap to, to the Let's Talk campaign. And it gets bigger and bigger. It was a record year for them uh, uh, this year. And like you mentioned, uh, 6.2 million for a great cause in mental health. But then if you look at uh, the company's action, we won't mention them like you said. In November, uh, it was just under 400 people who lost, uh, who were laid off by that same company. So, you know, yeah, very I good think, point. Yeah, so they could have had uh, definitely done something for those uh, 400 people. Um, so we'll move away from them to um, Brendan Gallagher, and we're going to add him to the nominee list. Um, you know, he had an immediate impact when he came back. Certainly, an emotional impact when he came back for the winter classic um, in Foxborough. Um, he's played pretty well since, um, since he's been back I, I, a little bit up and down, um, but I'm going to give him credit. We're going to put him on the list um, because when he was asked, Oh, where are you going? And we've seen, we've seen all of the, the, the tweets, the Instagrams of Canadians players in, um, you know, in California, in Florida, in Punta Cana, um, Cancun, um, relaxing over the All Star break, um, and and that's fine. They, um, uh, but Brendan Gallagher said, um, "No, I'm um, I'm staying in Montreal." Um, now I I'm I I don't have any confirmation of that, or whether he's joking or not. But for any players that stayed uh, in Montreal, for any players that that kept their focus on the game. Um, and and coaches and GMs um, that that kept their focus on the game and said, you know what, we really don't deserve uh, um, uh, to to have a bit of a vacation right now. We need to keep our focus on the game. We're, we're going to tip our cap to them as well and and put them on the nominee list. Down to Gallagher. Gallagher waiting to the goals. Brendan Gallagher throws it on net and gets it in. And a and that was his 12th goal of the season, and he scored uh, this week in a game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the first game uh, in Columbus. A lucky goal off the defenseman and uh, right past the goalie. And he had some great sh shifts, especially like in the last two games against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was uh, one of the a handful of players, and maybe even handful, maybe being a little bit generous, that he played a... Um, he played angry, but a good angry, not a frustrated angry. And you see, he was still giving his uh, his 100 percent, and like he always does, he gives his heart out. And I agree with uh, with that nomination. And let's hear his comments following Tuesday night's game 
at the Bell Center about any possible solutions for the team. No, it's, um, you know, I believe since a little kid, frustration gets you nowhere. It's as bad as you want to feel for yourself, no one else feels sorry for you. You have to find the answer. You know, it's it's not for a lack of care. It's not for a lack of work ethic. The guys in this locker room, you know, we've showed up for the most part, game after game, with that work ethic. We're just we're not finding answers right now. Coaches are preparing us. They're giving us the game plan. It's working. We're executing, and then little breakdowns throughout the game. Tonight it was special teams. We get a power play early. It's sloppy. It's not very good. They get two power plays. They score. We're down two nothing. It's um, you know as good as you want to play. It's tough to come back from that. You know like. Like I said, it's it's tough to deal with, but no one's feeling sorry for us. It's time to find the answer and dig down deep. And, you know, when adversity hits you, you really find out what kind of men you are. And Rick, sometimes when you when you hear players speaking after the game or during intermission, like in those interviews that they get, uh, it sounds like uh, like lip service, like it's just uh, words that they've learned and they're just spitting out uh, systematically like robots. But Gallagher, even if when you hear that clip that we just played, you can tell he's very passionate. You can tell that it's very sincere feelings that he was that he was sharing. Yeah, it's very thoughtful. He he, you know, he thinks the game. He he analyzes the game, um, and and he's able to explain it very clearly to how how he was feeling, how the team was feeling, uh, and how they didn't respond in certain certain situations and. Uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy his interviews um, um, immensely. Okay, who is your and, and, and let me just add to that because um, uh, I I know there is a certain contingent that would like to hear, see him as captain. If he becomes captain, that disappears. Um, so uh, he he kind of has to go out and 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 do a party line. So I, 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 I kind of prefer the situation the way it is. I love, I love Gallagher's interviews. So why do you think it disappear? It would disappear? Well, because after each game, um, you know, the communication staff get together and they, they put out their talking points to, to um, Michelle Terrian. And, and, you know, that's, it doesn't matter what question he's, he's asked, he comes out and, and, um, and list those talking points. And um, it's a way they've ma- learned to manage Michelle Terrian so that he doesn't, you know, be emotional and everything. And then the captain, you, you often hear Max Pacioretty just repeat those same talking points. Um, so it's the way the Canadians get their message out. They don't uh, put anything that creates headlines. Um, sure, uh, Gallagher in a captain's role is going to, add his personality as, as Pacioretty does, but he's going to be put in a, in a box far more than he is now as, uh, as, as an assistant, as an uh, alternate captain. Okay. So who is your next uh, nominee, Rick? We've got John Scott. Um, John Scott, who was involved in the, uh, what will become the infamous trade for Jared Tenorti. Um, and and there's the whole all star circus going on now. Um, um, and let's hope John Scott enjoys himself there. But the reason he's on the list is for the um, article that that he wrote or or he had someone write um, in the Players Tribune, which is a great uh, which is a great publication. And I just thought uh, the little insight that we got um, into John Scott kind of broke the stereotype of who people think he is. Um, and I, I credit him for having the courage to, to, um, to, to open himself up that way, um, and be honest and, um, still be pretty respectful to, to both organizations, not so much to the NHL, but just to, to open that door. I thought, I thought it's a great article. And for that reason, we're putting John Scott on the list. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I share your thoughts. When it comes to the uh, to the story, I'll take it even one step further. I'll be glad when this when this is over. I think John Scott, once the All Star Game is uh, done this weekend, he's gonna go back to uh, St. John's, and I think he'll probably be forgotten. I don't think we'll we'll be mentioning him uh, on a daily basis like they like he has been in the news now. 
since he got traded to uh, the Montreal Canadiens. So on that end, I'm happy as well that uh, the All-Star game is here. And our winner of the week, uh, our big winner of the week, is Lars Eller. Um, Lars Eller, um, even more so than even uh, Alexei Emelin, is the most um, trashed player um, on the Canadians. Um, uh, It's unfortunate because um, lots of people miss his contributions. And Lars Eller... um, yeah, leave leave the the goals and assists aside uh, because he's not put in a position um, to succeed that way. He doesn't get power play time. Um, his his minutes are his five on five or minutes are down. His matchups are always against. Um, you know, he's put in more of a defensive role. His all of those kinds of things uh, go against his point totals. But his possession is always one of the game after game after game is always one of the best on the, on the team. Um, he consistently makes his line mates better. And there seems to be consensus, even amongst some of the mainstream media that since his move back to center, which was um, five or six games ago, um, he's been the Canadians best center, uh, since that move, um, back to the middle. Um, he play, he's a much better center than, uh, than a winger, um, so uh, let's—he's—he's he's due some recognition. So let's make him our our winner of the week. That's Lars Eller, and and uh, the game win, the game deciding goal against Toronto was uh, was needed as well. Yeah, so I agree that he has been solid since uh, he he's been back playing at center, and his first game was in the game against the Blues on January sixteenth. So it's been two weeks. That he's back at uh, the center uh, center position, and he's been great. Uh, I think one of the reasons why he gets uh, a lot of criticism by by fans is the salary that's uh, that's attached uh, to him. So that's probably a whole another debate for a whole another episode, Rick. Uh, let's move on, and you tell us who are your candidates for losers of the week. Well, we we just mentioned John Scott as one of our uh, nominees for winners. Um, let's let's toss in uh, while we're talking about that. Um, John Scott fans, advocates. Does that, does that exist? <laughs> they do, they do, and and I think more so since uh, since the the Players Tribune article came out. There's there's a lot of sympathy for uh, John Scott. His fans were, you know. Uh, whether they were sincere or not in uh, voting him into the All-Star uh, game, I think many of them just th- thought it would be a a fun joke, a joke to play on the NHL. Um, but so okay, that that went that went the way it went. Um, but because since the article, I've been seeing a lot of of fans in my timeline say, "Well, let's call up John Scott. He deserves a chance." He he's a really really nice guy. Look at what a nice family man is. He, he deserves a call up. That's just stop it. It's nonsense. Jack Todd, the same thing. I, who I've never agreed. I don't think I've agreed any with anything that Jack Todd's ever said. But he's now promoting call up John Scott. It's nonsense. And anyone who's advocating that hasn't seen him play in the four games that he's played. Um, for a six foot eight guy, he's been pretty damned invisible. Um, you know, a, a couple hits per game. Um, but honestly, he's, he's just not, he's, he's not making an impact at the AHL level. Um, when, when I saw him in Bridgeport, um, and interviewed him after we interviewed him after the game, we asked him about the all-star game and, and he said the event that he wanted to be in, was the one with the least skating. Um, he was having a rough time out there. He was having a rough time keeping up at the AHL level. So uh, let's just end this calling him up to the to the Canadians. And the Canadians, it's rumored that, that the Canadians have told him that he will never be called up. So um, let's just end the, the uh, cheerleading of, of John Scott coming up. Yeah, and I don't think he, he there represents what the Montreal Canadiens want to portray as well as part of their uh, their uh, their brand. So your next uh, nominee, Rick. 
Uh, the Montreal Canadiens marketing department, their whole social media arm has never been very good. Um, they constantly try to uh, copy what others are doing. They've, they've copied our weekly forecast. They've, they've copied our ice caps, hockey reports. Um, they, you know, if you go there and you look uh, after practice for the lines, um, David DeRNA, no matter if he's on the first line, second line, third, he's always on the top line. The wingers are always interchanged. Um, there's not a lot of good stuff going on on the um, on their social media stuff. But they do a player of the week, and I think last week, I mean, it speaks to how bad the Canadians were. Um, but uh, they had six nominees for their players of the week. Um, Devontae Smith-Pelly was nominated because he had seven hits. Um, P.K. Subban was nominated because he had one assist. Brennan Gallagher was nominated because he had eight shots on goal. I mean, if that's if that's what you're using to justify players of the week, cut it down in half. Cut it, you know. Anyways, it's a, a sad state over there, and um, and so I, I mean, it's something that's that's ongoing. So we're going to add them to our list this week. Yeah, that was definitely a pathetic list, but like you said, I think it was it more has to say about the Canadian performances, at least when it comes to the players of the week, than. Uh, than the nominees themselves. Um, we're going to say that the, the, the a nominee is the state of Canadians goaltending. And whoever thought we'd say that with Carey Price on the team. But my goodness, with uh, Ben Scrivens and Mike Condon, um, uh, their their numbers aren't good. Uh, Scrivens still hasn't won a game. Condon, his, his stats on the wrong side, his save percentage and whatnot. You look to the to the farm and um, uh, the St. John's Ice Caps have given up the most goals in the AHL. Um, they just can't get a big save when they need one. Zach Fucali's 38th among goaltenders in the um, in the AHL. Uh, Eddie Pasquale, who's a fan favorite, but you know, I, I just the the entire state of Canadians goaltending um is in sad, sad shape right now. Um and that's 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 really uh unfortunate, particularly when there's such a gap between those guys and Carey Price. Yeah, it's hard to argue that and we'll pick up that conversation uh later because we did get a question from uh, one of our Twitter followers and it is regarding uh goaltenders. So, Rick, tell us, who is the loser of the week? Loser of the week. Um, you know, I, I struggled with this one because I didn't want to put Mark Bergevin, Michelle Therrien, the whole gang, the whole management team back in there. But, you know, it's not up to me to remove them. Give me a re- reason to remove them. Give me a reason to take them off of the top list. And and n- neither of them have. Um Michelle Therrien couldn't he couldn't win against a 30th place team um twice um and that that back-to-back situation losing back-to-back to the worst team in the league hasn't happened to the Canadians in 31 years um since the 85-86 season uh and that goes on the other you know records of futility they've been setting worst losing streak in 76 years and and not being able to win back to back for 20 uh, in 25 uh, for 25 games um we heard from Darren Drager this week that that when he's talking to GMs around the league the the word that they use to describe Mark Bergevin is desperate that there's an air of desperation around Mark Bergevin and his calls to them and that's never good that's that's you never want to portray that regardless of how weak your hand is um, so I don't think Mark Bergevin has done a very good job when he's been reaching out to GMs if that's the impression they're getting. So Bergevin works um, are are uh, sitting atop, and and it's up to them to uh, take themselves off this this list. Yeah, so it's uh, you're looking for a reason to get them to take them off, and I can't provide you a reason this week to take any of these. Uh, guys, um, Bergevin Terry off the list, and I'll, I'll make you happy, Rick. I'll even give you an extra reason why uh, we could put him 
on the loser when I'm talking specifically about Michel Therrien. Your GM gave you a strong vote of confidence last week. Uh, people are looking to blame somebody for this slump. How much blame do you put on yourself? How much on the players? How much on Terry Price missing? What, why is this continuing? Oh, we, have to, we all have to take responsibility for that. So that was uh, following Tuesday night's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, and I'm not uh, disagreeing with Terry saying that it's a little bit of everybody's fault. But I would have liked as Terry being the leader of the team, to pull like like Mark Bergevin did for him a uh, uh, couple of days before that, he say, you know what, it's it's my fault along with my coaching staff. We're responsible to get to pull this back together, and and we're not doing it. So that's the reason one comment that Terry made. Like I said, I the words themselves, I don't I don't disagree with them, but I think as a leader, it's not the kind of thing that. Uh, it's not a good way to demonstrate leadership to um, to uh, to his team. I think he should have taken more on his uh, on his back. So those were our winners and our losers of the week. You can give us your comments via Twitter at Habs360. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we will be joined by CBC. Uh, sorry, sports anchor for CBC News Montreal, Douglas Gellivan. Will be joining us. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on Habs.net. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 165 of the Habs 360 podcast featured here on allhabs.net. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980 along with uh, Rick Stevens from uh, allhabs.net. And joining us now on the uh, phone line, sports anchor for CBC News Montreal. And you can also hear him on uh, CBC's home run on 88.5 FM uh, weekdays at 5.50 on the CBC Newscast. Uh, during the 6 o'clock and 11 o'clock news. His name is uh, Douglas Gallivan. Thank you for joining us, Doug. Hi, guys. So, uh, Doug, Canadians, they're in a very bad slump, a historic uh, losing slump for the Montreal Canadiens. And there's a portion, whether it be from the media, whether it be social media, or Montreal Canadiens fans in general, a lot of the criticism is going to Canadian's head coach, uh, Michel Therrien. Uh, do you think that's fair? Uh, yeah, I think it's 
fair. I mean, I was sitting in the uh, press box watching the game right before the All-Star break when they're uh, playing against uh, the Blue Jackets there, a team that uh, they should have no trouble beating. And you're just kind of looking at his line combinations uh, for that game. And uh, honestly, I was having a lot of trouble sort of following what he was trying to do. I mean, you can see from time to time when he kind of mixed things up. And he put the lines in the blender before, but uh, during that game... Uh, a lot of confusion. Um, it doesn't really bode well for the players either when you're mixing up the lines so much in a game. You know, guys kind of thrive on consistency a little bit. And, of course, sometimes a little bit of a mix-up can give your players a bit of a jolt in the middle of the game and whatnot. But when you're mixing things up so much, it's kind of hard to imagine that uh, the guys even know who's going to be on their left or on their right when they're on the ice. And uh, if you don't really have that uh ability to have uh, the instinct to know who's going to be and where they're going to be kind of takes things a little bit away there. Of course, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen all the calls on social media uh, ramping up to to get rid of uh, Michel Perrien. But uh, the thing is, too, do, do you really have the confidence in the upper management of the Montreal Canadiens that a coaching change would be this uh, dramatic shift in philosophy uh, for the team? I mean, uh, you kind of, I have the feeling that, uh, you know, if you do make a change like this, it might give your team a little bit of a jolt in the short term, but if that's not the long-term direction that you want to go, uh, it could end up being a lot more detrimental uh, to the squad. But, uh, you know, when Mark Bergevin comes out and says that uh, Michel Therrien is not going anywhere for the end of the year, and then they turn around and play uh, the games like they did, uh, in Toronto and then back-to-back against the Blue Jackets, you kind of look and wonder, has he not backed himself into a corner at this point? Because when there was the calls for Terry to be fired after the Boston game, um, I think that might have been your opportunity to make a move. Uh, but when you come out and then uh, give that ringing endorsement uh, to the coach moving forward, uh, where does that leave you for the rest of the season? It, it kind of puts you in a spot where you're wondering if, they've kind of given up on this year because if you're not going to make a coaching change, you're essentially saying that, well, maybe that won't make a difference at all uh, or it won't change the ultimate outcome of this season. So if that's the case uh, and you can't make the big personnel moves that, uh, you know, we've been seen or at least fans have been kind of calling for, uh, where does that leave your team? So uh, Michel Therrien, I think he's in a tough spot right now. But at the same time, uh, when you kind of look at the timing of the All-Star break here and you kind of break the half season into two halves, you see that kind of jolting great start that they had and then this disastrous uh, second portion of the season. Maybe the management sitting on the other side of this wondering, you know, if, it can, if the pendulum can swing that much, who's to say it can't swing back in the other direction? I mean, it mm. seems kind of like a long shot right now, but uh, maybe that's the thinking. And speaking of the Canadian general manager, uh, Mark Bergevin, when he gave his word of confidence, he also gave his word of confidence to the players uh, that he trusts that team and those are the players he's going to stick with. Uh, I personally believe when it comes to uh, to the players, he said what he said not to hurt uh, the value of him when he's trying to do a trade, right? Because if he would have said, I'm looking for a trade, well, then other GMs would try to take uh, advantage of him. Do Absolutely. you think at this do you think at this point Bergevin is trying to improve his team or do you take what he said at that time uh, at face value and he actually trusts the team that he has on hand right now? I don't think any GM is not trying to constantly improve their team, but you, you, like you said, you, you can't come out and say we're trying to make a big move right now because that ultimately will bring the trade value down of all of the players that you're trying to move. But then if you look across the roster of the Montreal Canadiens, I mean who's really a good trade prospect right now? Who would be on your trade bait list? Um, You know, Andre Markov uh, is one guy that's names keeps coming up, but again, his longstanding position with Montreal Canadiens would sort of be a tough emotional move to make on the Habs side of things. And then, of course, he's got the contract that he has with a year remaining on it, and you have to wonder what could you even get in return for him at this time, especially considering how poorly he's been playing. And then you look across the, the rest of the uh, potential trade bait guys, and I've heard Thomas Buchanan's name come up uh, uh, quite a bit, but, uh, you know, his 
trade position is not very good either. I mean, because they added that two-year extension onto his contract at the beginning of the season. Is Thomas Buchanan a guy that any team in the league right now is going to want to trade for at $6 million a year moving forward? I mean, that's a pretty heavy burden to slap onto your team. And if he, and especially considering his output as of recently, and then you look into the second tier of guys, maybe your unmovables, you know, are you going to really trade a Brendan Gallagher? He's a kind of guy that has a contract that would be, you know, something any team would want to take on based on his production, but he's not a guy that you're going to want to move. And Max Pacioretty, another guy in the same situation. I mean, the Canadians have in the past uh, not been shy of trading their captains away, but uh, when, uh, you know, is Max Pacioretty going to be a guy that you're going to move? I don't think so. So really, you know, what kind of assets could Mark Bergevin even really be shopping around right now uh, he could be shopping around maybe in Nathan Beaulieu. I've heard that one come up uh, quite a bit as well. But, I mean, this is a young defenseman uh, who is supposed to be the centerpiece of your defense or part of the center not, uh, with P.K. Subban uh, moving forward for this team. So you, do you really want to mortgage your future by moving a few players like that for some sort of short-term answer uh, this season, especially when you're kind of looking at this season in a greater context, is this the year that the Montreal Canadiens are going to go for it? And the further and further they slip away from a playoff position, you have to think that maybe the, you know, get going out there and getting a rental player, getting an older veteran player, maybe now is not the year to do it. Whereas, you know, earlier in the season before this slump happened, I mean, all the talk was just, hey, let's see the Montreal Canadiens go out there, add that top six forward to the mix, and that could be the catalyst that kind of pushes them over the top. Well, now it doesn't feel like that uh, is is the case. So uh, I, I believe Mark Bergevin has to be back there kind of doing something, but I also believe he's he's kind of handcuffed in this situation. And a lot of GMs in the league in the salary cap era are, are in that uh, same sort of situation. Making that big deal uh, isn't as easy as it was pre-salary cap. Uh, so what can the Habs really do at this point? And then when you come out and say that your coach isn't going to be going anywhere, it kind of looks like it's going to be status quo moving forward. So why wouldn't he come out and say, I believe in these players? I think they do need a boost of confidence right now. And if if you can't shake up the room like you'd want to, then maybe uh, coming out and saying that uh, these are the guys that we're going to ride with uh, will give the players at least that uh, level of stability that might propel them forward back into what they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, the next question, it's it's uh, a little bit fictitious, right? Because you know it's not going to happen. But let's say on Tuesday morning, uh, we would find out that Carey Price is back and he's back in the lineup yeah. and he, he'll be the starting goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers. Is everything fixed? Well, the thing is, it's it's starting to get fixed if that is to happen. But the the thing is, you have to remember, Carey Price has been out for two months. And even if he is to come back, is he going to be the Carey Price that won all those awards last year? So while Carey Price is part of the solution, and I honestly believe that if he had been healthy during this streak, that the streak wouldn't have snowballed the way it was. He, You know, when, when you're going into these losing streaks, you see it time and time again, you need sort of like a streak buster. You, and Carey Price is the guy who can deliver that kind of performance. Uh, Mike Condon, while well, he's been very solid for the Montreal Canadiens this year, it's clear that the guys playing in front of him don't have the same level of confidence that they do when Carey Price is playing. And sometimes you just need that goaltender to get into the game and just steal one for you. You know, when you're in a three-game skid or something like that, and a goaltender can go out there and take one of those good effort performances that the Montreal Canadiens have had throughout this streak but just haven't gotten victories, and throw a donut out there and steal maybe a one nothing win, that can stop the snowball from rolling into, say, a five-game losing streak, a 10-game losing streak, and into what we've kind of seen right now. So if you've had Carey Price in the lineup, as bad as the Montreal Canadiens have been playing, he would be kind of your uh, streak buster in that sense. Now, if he does come back, I mean, obviously there will be a big emotional boost when he does get back into the lineup. But at this point in the season, you have to wonder, you know, what is the real extent of this injury here? Uh, it seems to me like it's around the knee area. If the Montreal Canadiens are not in striking distance of the playoffs and Carey Price is wary about coming back and pushing 
that uh, injury and, and risking uh, potential more damage to it, are they going to take the decision to just shut him down for the rest of the year? So I, I, I think we're at a very critical point in the season, and it's not up to Carey Price to decide if the Habs are going to be going for it or not because he's not part of the equation right now. Uh, but it's up to his teammates to say, you know what, we have to put ourselves in a position so that when Carey Price does uh, have the health uh, uh, at a level where he can come back, that he can actually help us forward as opposed to just, you know, grinding out the rest of the clock on this year. And if there's any concern that he could uh, injure himself any further and the Canadians are out of the playoff picture, or at least it looks like a long shot, and even if they do get in, I mean, how much uh, damage could they possibly do, then I believe shutting him down would be, uh, you know, a a reasonable thing for the Montreal Canadiens to do because you have to understand uh, if this is not the year and if that is the decision that the upper management is kind of taking by keeping on to the coach and not making any big moves by sending your uh, uh, younger prospects away, then maybe Carey Price is better used uh, when he's fully healthy next season than uh, this season where uh, all hope may be lost. Hey, Doug, it's Rick Stevens. Um, we've had a chance to communicate uh, via Twitter, all Habs via Twitter, but this is, uh, this is a good chance to talk to you. Um, listen, you were talking to Chris uh, a minute ago about uh, potential trades um, that Mark Bergevin um, might be looking at or, or struggling to make. He did make a trade. Uh, he made made a trade, uh, not that not that fans or not that anyone was expecting, really, Um and that's for John Scott, and it's set up, um, you know, um, all kinds of layers to this story. And and yes. let's let's leave the the All Star Game and that circus aside for for a minute. Uh-huh. And and you know you have you have Mark Bergevin trading one of his prized assets, a, a first round draft yes. choice, regardless of 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 it, whether he's achieved his potential or not, is a valued asset. And he's traded Absolutely. him for John Scott. Real hockey player. Yeah. yeah. He traded him for John Scar- Scott, Victor Bartley, uh, Stefan Fournier was involved in the deal. Um, you know, I was, I was in Bridgeport to see John Scott's first game and we interviewed him afterwards. And mm-hmm. um, the Canadians didn't trade for John Scott. Uh, we know that. Um, right. The, the Canadians didn't trade regardless of what they say. They didn't trade for Victor Bartley. He's not. Uh, they've got half a dozen defensemen better than Victor Bartley. Mm-hmm. Um, not a salary cap issue because they don't. They don't. Uh, it was they only don't about five hundred thousand dollars saved, right? right. So, yeah. so on. Um, you know, that raises the question: Why would they get involved in this mess? And and on Twitter, I noticed um, you were uh, responding to Brandon Kelly, and you said you have your theories. Um, <laughs> do you do you want to do you want to you venture into that well, area right now? Well, yeah, I, I can I can kind of venture into it, but uh, just to put a kind of a disclaimer on this, I mean, it, it just really does seem fishy, the reasons why the Montreal Canadiens make this trade, because you, you look at it from a hockey side of things, and just as you said, you know, if Victor Barley is the key to this trade, why is he playing down in the minor leagues right now? And at the same time, you're giving away an asset like Jared Trinordi, who uh, most everyone says could be uh, or would have been an NHL defenseman for many years already if he had not been uh, sort of buried uh, behind the depth of the Montreal Canadiens. But, I mean, the the, the inner workings behind this trade, it's hard to get a full uh, grasp on because Mark Bergevin did say in his press conference last week there's things that happen behind the scenes that I can't tell you about in this situation. Now, you have to imagine that uh, Jared Trinordi wanted out of this situation. You know, he's just sitting on the bench. He's not playing in the AHL or the NHL. The team's too afraid to put him on waivers because they they won't get anything for him. So there's got to be a lot of pressure from the player's side of things. Um, But, you know, yes, this is a great trade for Jared Trinordi because he gets an opportunity to go somewhere else and perhaps get some playing time. But why would the Montreal Canadiens make a trade where they're taking the players' interests ahead of the interests of the club. It doesn't make uh, a whole lot of sense there, but don't you get the feeling, at least I get the feeling, that uh, something was called in, a favor was called in on the backside of this thing to move John Scott out of Arizona 
Um, if you did, you read the Players Tribune piece that uh, John Scott put out uh, this week. Yeah, we we talked about it in the previous. Yeah. It was terrific. It it breaks it, stereotypes. It, your your view of of who John Scott was. Uh, it was terrific. Well, the, the, yeah, the one part of that that I just want to focus in on is where he went into the room to talk with the management of the Arizona Coyotes, and he said. Uh, you know, behind cold doors, it got it, it's got emotional. It got emotional, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. So that was the part that I kind of honed in on because it, that to me looked like there was John Scott confronting the Arizona management about the actual legitimacy of this trade because from, even from his perspective, it didn't make uh, any sense at that time. So. My, you know, my theory, and this is just sort of a conspiracy theory in that sense, is that perhaps there was some sort of deal struck on the NHL side of things um, with the Montreal Canadiens uh, to take John Scott off the hands of the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, is this something that the Arizona Coyotes said, okay, you take you you take care of this situation for us, and we'll uh, sort of, you, you know, how in trade sometimes they leave the the club future considerations. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll scratch your back in, in the future, or is this something where the actual league stepped in and, you know, uh, at the same time, look, look at what's happening with the expansion teams right now, uh, or the possible expansion teams into perhaps Quebec city. Do you think Jeff Molson really wants a team in Quebec city? I don't think so, but he's been very, very quiet on this issue. Uh, so far, we haven't really heard uh, what Jeff Molson is saying, but I would guess that he's behind the scenes working against this issue because no matter what happens, if Quebec gets a team, you're going to see at least a 35% drop in the revenues for the Montreal Canadiens. It's a, you know it's a team moving into his marketing space. So is this something that they're kind of will push this off for another couple of years, or is this sort of one of those? Uh, Molson's saying I've been keeping quiet and I'm kind of looking for something on my end kind of thing so this kind of stuff you know I don't have any actual evidence to support this or anything but you have to start wondering what kind of deal was struck between the league or the Arizona Coyotes with the Montreal Canadiens to get them involved in a move like this where you're moving an asset away for nothing really and, and you know there it doesn't seem to be any uh, will by the Montreal Canadiens side of things to bring John Scott up this year. But at the same time, I mean, you're looking at how they're playing. What could it really hurt right now? I mean, the team's playing like a wet noodle. You bring John Scott up, he seems like a character guy, like you said, uh, that piece kind of showed it there. And maybe this is the kind of dressing room guy that you, you need right now to start motivating the players. So, you know, even though Mark Bergevin didn't seem like willing to bring him up, also listening to John Scott speak at the All-Star game yesterday, he said Mark Bergevin's told him just to keep on working. So it doesn't seem like Bergevin's giving him the message that the door is closed, even though that is kind of the message that uh, we've been getting up here. So, you know, the, uh, the, the inner workings behind this trade, I'm, I'm not sure we'll ever really have the answer to it unless you see sort of moving forward a deal that the Montreal Canadiens kind of get an asset from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for something that doesn't look like an asset on our end. And then maybe that's your sort of makeup call as, uh, as we, uh, as you hear in the game sometimes. Well, if M- Mikel Bodker comes back to the Canadians for Marcus Eisensmead, then, uh, you know, I'll feel a little bit better about uh, <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah, Listen, no, the, the trade doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense, and I mean, you know, Bartley, you know, he's not even good enough right now to to crack the roster, let alone stay uh, with the big club. So, uh, you know, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the hockey side. Yeah, and and Victor Bartley, um, he only played a period and a half. He didn't look that. He looked fine. Uh, he didn't look anything extraordinary, and then he uh, left that game and mm-hmm. has been back since with the injury. Um, yep. One more thing before we let you go, um, you know, all of these these milestones, uh, the worst losing streak in 76 years, the yep. uh, 25 years without back-to-backs, the losing back-to-back against the last place team hasn't happened in 31 years. It's starting to have an effect. Um, and you tweeted a picture um, yep. of some empty, some empty seats um, mm-hmm. um, at the last home game. And now, you know, the seats are sold, they're no-shows, but... But yeah. this starts to have a ripple effect on 
on bars, on gear sales, Absolutely. on on the economy of Montreal. And I just wondered if if you're seeing um, that starting to happen already. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this year, uh, you could you could kind of hear it. Even at the beginning of the season, when the team was winning and everything was kind of coming so easily, the atmosphere at the Bell Centre this year wasn't living up to what the Bell Centre reputation is normally. And then once the team started losing, you started seeing even less and less of sort of the motivation from the crowd uh, to propel the team forward on the ice. And uh, I think we saw it hit uh, a, a low point when – the, the the Blue Jackets were in town last week. I mean, I tweeted out that photo, and that photo, uh, I took that photo, you know, after the anthems and whatnot, they have uh, all the people kind of pile up near the entrances of the doorways. And then after the first whistle, everyone floods in and gets into their seats. So I took that photo after the first whistle of the first period, where normally that entire section is packed. Well, you can just look at it and see that there are dozens and dozens of seats that uh, are unfilled. Now, as the game progressed, uh, maybe uh, a resale out front of the building or something like that, uh, a few more seats kind of filled up, but still dozens and dozens of these seats left empty. That means that there are people or someone paying for these tickets that are deciding not even to bother to go to the game because, like you said, they are kind of sold. Uh, at the same time, outside of the, uh, the venue, bars have been telling CBC that uh, they're hurting as well. And, you know, a lot of these places make their nut for the entire year on the Montreal Canadiens playoff run and how well that goes. Anytime the Habs aren't in the playoffs, I mean, it hurts them uh, big time. But if you're going to sort of lose hope in a season uh, as early as we are right now here, uh, and if you sort of have that absence of the Montreal Canadiens in February, March, April and May, as opposed to just April and May, uh, you could see some big ripple effects on especially uh, the bar scenes and, and jersey sales and all those kinds of things. It, it's happening. I mean, we you can just feel the mood in the Bell Center, and that's sort of a nervous center uh, for the entire city in a lot of ways uh, around the Montreal Canadiens. So when you don't feel it in the building, the ripple effects do kind of go out there. Now, it was really interesting because uh, before the game, uh, the Blue Jackets game, I kind of wandered around uh, the uh, mezzanine level of the uh, the Bell Centre just talking to a few fans about uh, the fact that uh, it, not only the Montreal Canadiens might not be in the playoffs, but there might not be a Canadian team uh, in the playoffs this year. Now, the hardcore hockey fans all told me, not without exception, that they will watch the playoffs regardless of if there is a Montreal Canadiens team in it or any Canadian team in it because they're hockey fans. And those are the hardcore fans. And I truly believe they're not going to be rocked by this at all because after all they're the ones going to see the Habs play the Blue Jackets uh, in January and paying the money and paying the, the the prices to get the beers there at the stadium anyway so those are your kind of core people but I wonder about the periphery of the fan base and those fans that kind of just drop in playoff time well they've completely tuned out at this point uh, and that is something, those are, those are the people that fill the bars. Those are the friends of the friends who are hockey fans who come to the bars and make the atmosphere what it is in Montreal come playoff time. Because it, it, the hardcore fans are always going to be there, but it's the casual fans that really bring it out uh, of this city. And uh, if they're not tuning in, well, then uh, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough grind for uh, the merchants in Montreal and the bars that depend on the Montreal Canadiens to, uh, to make their profits. All right, thank you very much for your time, Doug. And we'll be watching uh, the newscast during the 6 o'clock <laughs> and 11 p.m. on CBC Montreal during the week. And we'll also be listening on the home run on 88.5 FM. Well, thanks, Rick, and uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, have a good rest of the season. All right, thank you very thanks, much, Doug. Cheers, guys. All right, so that was uh, Douglas... Gallivan from uh, CBC who uh, who joined us to give us his insight on the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll be going to your tweets at Habs360. Your phone calls, 1-877-455-4945. Stay with us. This is the Habs360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. 
don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Ice Caps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back. I'm Chris G at Christian 1980, along with uh, Rick Stevens from uh, allhabs.net. And we're going to go right away to our Twitter to get some uh, feedback. Actually, first first tweet is a question that comes from uh, Mo, who describes himself as a, pessimist, a pessimistic Habs fan. So let's... I'll read you the question, and he writes, would be interesting to know what the rest of the league's records would be since the start of December with the save percentage of our goalies' heads. So that's the question, and I know, Rick, I've mentioned it uh, a couple of times during the slump here on uh, on Habs 36 or even via different conversations that I've had on uh, social media. Uh, the goaltending, you mentioned it as well in the first uh, segment during the slump, has been below 900 save percentage. And I think that has a lot to do with uh, the Canadians' uh, lack of success over almost the last two months. Yeah, no, un, 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 you know, there's no doubt about that. I think that that um, the Canadians not being able to to get that, that big save that they need, um, that Carey Price would have provided them, um, you know, but it's it's also kind of uh, a jigsaw puzzle because uh, the they're not getting offense either. So uh, the lack of offense has always been there. The way the system is is set up, um, but it's just that was covered up by the extraordinary play of Carey Price in the past. Our half to sixty poll question was, well, is I should say, has your interest in the Montreal Canadiens gone down because of the current slump? And as of right now, 45% of the people who replied said yes, and 55% said no. So it's pretty down the middle. Uh, number probably a little higher than, I should say, a little bit higher than what I was ex- expecting on the uh, the, the yes side. Uh, a couple of comments that came in relating to that poll. First one comes from Tim in Calgary. He writes, no, just want management to wake up and being in the best coach for this team in the years to come, born a Habs fan. Uh, Joe from uh, Winnipeg, he writes, interest hasn't gone down one bit. Investing money has. Re- I refuse to pay until they ice a product worth paying for. So that's quite the uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> the opinion that provided by Joe. And a little bit matches what uh, Doug was telling us in uh, the previous uh, segment. Uh, Rick, he writes, 
True fans don't lose interest or stop watching. Edmonton still sells out after nine years. I haven't stopped watching in 45 years. So thank you very much for the tweet, Rick. Uh, Home of the Habs, he writes, True fans' interest never goes down. Nino from Laval, he writes, I would not have painted my garage like you saw. I'm a true diehard forever, but this does hurt. And for sure, the slump definitely hurts uh, Habs fans everywhere. And the last tweet on this subject comes from Rick in uh, Montreal. He writes, Lots of Ricks Habs today. I know, Ricks is, are wild. <laughs> uh, Rick writes, Following Habs for over 40 years, seen them finish first, middle, and last place. Interest has been and will always be there and in uh, capital letters. So thank you very much for uh, the tweet, uh, Rick. So we also did ask uh, Rick on uh, the All Habs Facebook page whether or not people think that the All-Star break will make a difference. Will we see anything different on the other side of the All-Star break? And we did get uh, some comments on the Facebook page as well. Yeah, we sure did. Let me uh, let me just give you a few. Uh, will the break help the the Habs? Mark Dupuis says the one good thing about the break is they can't lose any games. Um, Tracy McDonald says no, probably not. The Christmas break didn't help, but I hope it does. She's still optimistic. Uh, Eve Robichaux says I serious seriously think they gave already gave up this season. Now I don't know if he's talking about management or players there. Um, uh, Will the break help? Uh, can't hurt, says Chris Thompson. Um, nope, they're done, says Travis Bullen. Um, Emily Sinclair, she's still positive. She said, oh, yes, go Habs, go. And uh, the last uh, one I'll read here today about uh, will the break help is from Clifford Jesse. He says, I think they're done too. I also think Jeff Molson should step in and fire Terry in. So some great comments also coming from the uh, the All Habs uh, Facebook page. A couple of more via Twitter. Uh, Chris uh, Jones from uh, Montreal, whether he's expecting anything different from the Habs after the All-Star break, he kept it simple. He said, hell no, that, he, that he's not. Uh, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas? No, it's Fergie from Nova Scotia. <laughs> Uh, he writes, I'm expecting a red-hot Andrew Guerrero repelled and hoping Hudon gets a look. So that's interesting to to see whether or not Canadians, if they keep struggling, will they give a chance to uh, some of their uh, prospects from uh, the ice caps. And the last tweet comes again from uh, Nino in Laval. He writes, maybe if they call up <laughs> John Scott, we have to play a little more rough and more hitting. So thank you very much for the tweet, Nino. And I think uh, we already heard your opinion on that subject, Rick, in uh, in the first uh, segment. Rick, uh, well, a quick touch upon the, the Ice Caps. In fact, uh, it's the AHL All-Star Game as well. And the Rocket Sports Media will be there. Absolutely. Um, the Rock Sports Media team, the Ice Caps Hockey Report team, um, and I'll be joining them. That will be in Syracuse uh, starting tomorrow. Syracuse is the home of the AHL All-Star Game Skills Competition tomorrow, that's Sunday, and the game is on Monday night. Um, representing the Canadians and the Ice Caps, uh, Mike McCarron. Mike McCarron's having a terrific season. Um the, the ice caps. He's got uh, 13 goals, 15 assists, 28 points. Um, also joining um, Mr. McCarron or Morgan Ellis. Um, it was originally supposed to be Mark Barbario, but uh, he's otherwise occupied with the Canadians. Um, uh, Morgan Ellis is, after uh, spending some time in the ECHL last season, he's been one of the Canadian, one of the ice caps' best defensemen. He actually leads. Um, the defenseman in points. He has 10 goals, 14 assists for 24 points, uh, and a plus 12. Um, he's been great on a on a less than stellar team. Um, also, take a peek at uh, the AHL's best goaltender, and you know who that is? Top goalie in the AHL right now is Peter Budai, and he'll be at the All-Star game. He has a record of 23-9-3. Uh, he's been terrific this year, so we'll 
see if we have a chance to uh, get a few words from Peter Budai. Um, the um, today, the St. John's Ice Caps will be facing the uh, Hartford Wolf Pack, uh, who feature none other than Rafael Diaz. Um, they they uh, finish up their six-game road trip in Hartford uh, tonight against the Wolf Pack. So you'll you'll be able to tell us about it about your experience on the next uh, next episode of Habs 360. Uh, Canadians they're playing three games right after the All Star break starts on Tuesday in Philadelphia to face the Philadelphia Flyers and then on uh, Wednesday so we'll be back to back games they'll be back in town to host the uh, Buffalo Sabers so like uh, it's very winnable games for uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. So hopefully, if the Canadians can win at least two of these games, it will help them uh, get back on the, on the winning track. I want to thank everybody who sent us their tweets at Habs360 and uh, everybody who sent in as well their comments via the All Habs Facebook page. And also, thank you very much to Douglas Gallivan, from CBC Montreal joining us, who gave us his insight on the Montreal uh, Canadiens. Rick, thank you very much. Always a good time. Thanks, Chris. And a programming note, next Saturday, Canadians are playing an afternoon game at 2 o'clock Eastern, which is the usual time slot of the Habs 360. So as a result, we'll be, we'll be back one hour earlier. So next Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, right prior to the game between the Canadians and the Edmonton Oilers. So please set yourself some reminders to join us uh, an hour earlier from the West Coast. Have your coffee, have your scramble eggs, and listen to Habs 360. My name is Chris G. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk in seven days. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.